Remain standing, please, and receive the word of God as it comes to us from John chapter 1, verse 43 and following. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael, and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy, gracious God, give you thanks again for this day. And we thank you for this word that comes to us. And God, as we receive this word, we pray that you would give us uh, ears that can hear eyes that can see, and hearts and minds that can understand. And in understanding, Lord, may we turn to you, and in turning to you, may we find healing for our very lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, friends, you may be seated. Hey, has anyone seen getting coffee in cars with comedians? It's a, a couple, couple folks. It's a Jerry Seinfeld thing, and it's really pretty terrific. I just started watching it um, uh, like a couple weeks ago because it showed up on my Netflix thing, and uh, it's literally what the, sh the title of the show. That's it. It's getting coffee with comedians in cars with Jerry Seinfeld, and each episode is like, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes long, and he has a whole host litany of of, you know, comedians, and, and, he, and there's, like, different cars, like, really fancy different kinds of cars, and he kind of picks the car to, to match the comedian. Well, one of the episodes uh, featured Jim Carrey, and um, I it, was, it was such a great episode. It was really, like, it really touched my heart. <laughs> Sounds odd, but I've, like, watched it a couple times. <laughs> because Jim Carrey, he's, like, He's become quite spiritual, you know, and he's like really at peace with who he is. Yes, I'm talking about Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, who talks out of his butthole, Mr. Dumb and Dumber himself. And in this like episode with Jerry, he, he talks about like the relevant and the absolute. He talks about getting caught up in the small me. You know, a version of talking about the false self. And at the end of it all, he shows Jerry his art studio, which is pretty amazing. 
He's a very talented artist. And um, they start talking about the, the film Field of Dreams. I know for some of you, you might be like, I, I kind of recognize that movie. That's from like a long time ago, isn't it? It's about Kevin Costner uh, way back in the day. And if you're not familiar with the story, it's, um, he's a farmer out in the Midwest somewhere, and he, he feels a voice, you know, telling him, like, if you build it, they will come. And he builds this baseball field out in, in his cornfield, right? And these ghost, these ghost baseball players show up. I know, it sounds silly, but it's a wonderful film. <laughs> these ghost baseball players show up and start playing baseball. And, uh, and at the end of it, like, the heart of it is, like, his, his dad, who's passed away, like, shows up, right? And his dad, like, says to him, have a catch. Like, can we, can we have a catch? And then they're just, like, you know, throwing the ball back and forth. And Jim Carrey, he's like, oh, man, he's like, that moment. That's what the movie is all about. This longing inside each of us to, like, to have this moment with another. Just, like, just spend some time with me. Just have a moment with me. It's ingrained in us to, like, want to be known by somebody else, want to be seen. And I was like, wow, that's beautiful. That preaches, hence being used right now. <laughs> and I think like he's right. There's this like desire in us. There's this desire that's, that's designed. It's, it's part of our design to, to want to connect, to want to be known, to truly be seen. And have you ever had that moment with somebody where you're like, Oh man, like you have that connection where you're like, this person gets me. And I mean, really gets you. In that moment, you feel like completely understood, when you felt known, when you felt seen, when you're, there's a connection on a deeper level. And those are rare moments, right? They don't happen every day. And it's even more rare to find those moments with like people we, we just meet. But sometimes it happens. Have you ever had that encounter when you just meet someone for the first time? Within moments, there's kind of like a connection, and you're like, I you know what, this person kind of gets me. And like you feel like, man, I could like kind of talk with this person all day long, and somehow I feel like I've known them all my life, even though you're just encountering them for the first time. A moment when we're known and seen. A moment that like we all really long for. The core of who we are. And in this story, it seems that Nathaniel has this moment with Jesus connection that deeply impacts Nathaniel, an encounter where he feels known and seen. Now, let me, let me set the scene, like what's been happening here in John chapter 1 so far. And just right now, the, the verses before this is, is Jesus calling his disciples. And he first calls out to Andrew and some nameless other disciple. It just says Andrew and another guy. <laughs> And, uh, and then Andrew gets so excited about his encounter with Jesus, he goes and finds his brother Simon, brings Simon to Jesus, and Jesus immediately renames Simon Peter upon meeting with him. And then Jesus finds Philip and says, Philip, follow me. And Philip starts to follow Jesus. And then Philip's so excited about this, he goes and gets Nathaniel. A brief word about this guy, Nathaniel. Now, he's not like that name, Nathaniel, is not one of the names that you would lead, read in a list of the 12 disciples that are listed in the other Gospels, Mark and Luke and Matthew. 
But it has been suggested that this Nathaniel is actually Bartholomew, which is one of the twelve. But whether he's actually one of the twelve that follows, or just another person that has an encounter with Jesus, it, it doesn't really matter. He's someone who encounters Jesus and has this experience of Jesus. Now, Nathaniel and Philip clearly have some sort of friendship. Because Philip goes and seeks out Nathaniel after encountering Jesus and says, we have found him. Well, found who? Well, Philip says, the one that Moses in the law and the prophets spoke of. We found the one. It's a significant claim. I mean, it's a significant find because the prophets and Moses have been speaking about the one for literally a thousand years. And Philip says, we have found him. And, and I wonder if Philip and Nathaniel had been in conversation about this over the course of their friendship, maybe over the course of their life, that they've been seeking this, they've been studying it, they've been pondering it, and now Philip says, we found him, we found the one. And John, chapter 1, has been setting the stage for this whole understanding of Jesus as being the one. There are so many descriptor words of Jesus in John chapter 1. Sometimes just like go through it and highlight every descriptive word you find about Jesus, and you'll find that Jesus is described as the word, the word of God, and word in the Greek meant logos, and logos really kind of referred to, to the energy that is around us, to the energy that like connects all things. I've been fond of saying the logos is like the force. Yes. And here, here we have Jesus being likened to this logos, to this energy that's connecting all things. Jesus is also called the light of the world, the Lamb of God, Son of God, He's referred to as Rabbi, Christ, and Messiah. All descriptive words pointing to Jesus as the one. And so Philip comes to Nathaniel. He's all excited. And, and he says, we found it. This is it, dude. And what's Nathaniel's response? Dude, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? As uh, Nathan pointed out earlier in the scripture, or in the, the service today. Can anything good come from there? And it's not surprising that this is his response. Because remember, we've been waiting for a thousand years for the one, the Messiah, to show up. And he shows up in insignificant Nazareth? I mean, it's a little bit anticlimactic. I mean, really. It's kind of like saying, hey, hey, guys, guess what? I found the Messiah. Really? Where? Uh, he's in Johnstown. No offense to Johnstown. <laughs> but it would be like, Johnstown? <laughs> really? Johnstown? Are you sure about that? I mean, it makes you kind of think, I wonder what Nathaniel's mindset was as Philip came to him. I mean, Nathaniel in this reading could have come across as cynical. He's maybe jaded. Like I said, maybe he's been looking for this all his life, and maybe he's been duped before. Maybe there have been others that said, oh, this is the one, this is the one. So his response is guarded. He's skeptical. Really? Now? 
from there? Why? But Philip just says, come and see. You have to come and see for yourself, then you can decide. And so Nathaniel gets himself up. He goes with Philip. And as soon as Jesus sees Nathaniel, he says, ah, here is an Israelite with no deceit. Other versions translate it as he says, here is an Israelite in which nothing is false. Seems like Nathaniel is a pretty straightforward individual, and it's quite an interesting first observation that somebody would have about somebody else, that as soon as Jesus sees Nathaniel, he speaks to his character. He speaks to his core. There's no, like, small talk. What do you think about the weather, Nathaniel? He gets right to the heart. And there must have been something about it that, like, struck true with Nathaniel. Something that Philip probably could have testified to as well if he's been friends with him for a long time. Because Nathaniel doesn't go, no, that's not me. Or like, you know, and it's not like out of a place of pride, but he just simply responds, maybe rather surprised, shocked, like, where did you get to know me? How do you know that? And then Jesus, Jesus mystically answers, well, I saw you under the fig tree just before Philip came and got you. I see you. And then how does Nathaniel respond to that? He's so moved by this, he exclaims, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Man, that is like a fast turnaround. From what good could possibly come from there to you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And it makes me wonder, what did Jesus really see under the fig tree? What was Nathaniel up to when he was spending the time under the fig tree? You see, the fig tree in the Old Testament is a symbol of home. It's used as a symbol of home. And then in later times, the fig tree was known as the place of prayer and study and meditation. And so does this encounter allude to something more than just being under the fig tree, hanging out? Was Nathaniel under the tree in a posture of prayer or meditation? Was this his, like, sacred space where he might start his day? Did he have, like, a particular thought or concern, or prayer while he was there. And Jesus comes and says, I saw you there. Meaning not just I somehow mystically saw you there, as in a place, but I knew you there. I know what you're thinking about. Concerned about. Praying about. I saw you there. Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, I am with you under the fig tree in all the concerns of your day, your life. I see you. Right, Josiah. So abandon, abandon your cynicism, your anger, your weariness. I see you. And in that moment, Nathaniel feels known. 
He feels seen. It's as if Jesus shows up and says, have a catch. There's something we all hunger and desire for. And it knocks Nathaniel off his feet. It disorients him and it reorients him all at the same time. And he says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Nathaniel's response there suggests that Jesus was someone who could not be described in just ordinary terms. You know, to call Jesus king of Israel is not one of the more common references for who Jesus is. It's used very infrequently. I think uh, the listing was only like three times in the New Testament. But think about how it reflects on what Jesus had said to Nathaniel. He said, here is a true Israelite. And Nathaniel, in his response, he acknowledges that as a true Israelite, you are my king. But I think he's also indicating that there's something more happening in him in that moment with Jesus. In the Celtic tradition, there's an understanding of love and friendship known as the Anum Kara. Anum is Gaelic word for soul. Kara is the word for friend. So the Anum Kara in the Celtic world was your soul friend. The early Celtic church, one, for the early Celtic church, the one who acted as a teacher and a companion or a spiritual guide was your Anum Kara. It was originally referred to the one you could confess to, the one you could reveal all the hidden intimacies of your life. With your Anum Kara, you could share your innermost self, your heart, your mind, and the friendship was an act of recognition and belonging. And the Anum Kara was considered God's gift because friendship is the very nature of God. When you think about our Christian concept of God as Trinity, it expresses this. The Trinity is an articulation of the otherness and intimacy that is God. That God is an eternal flow of friendship between Father and Son and Holy Spirit that we are invited into. There's an eternal longing in each of us that, that design, that desire for something more, for that connection, for that belonging that I think reflects that truth. And Jesus seeks to fulfill this longing and Jesus even says it later in John when he says, Behold, I call you friends. Think about that. Jesus says, I call you friends. What an intimate statement for the Son of Man, the King of Israel, the Word become flesh, the Son of God, the Messiah to make to us. I call you friend. In his book, Anamkara, the book of Celtic wisdom by John O'Donohue, he says this, Jesus as the Son of God, is the first other in the universe. He is the prism of all difference. He is the secret anamkara of every individual. In friendship with him, we enter the tender beauty of and the affection of the Trinity. In the embrace of this eternal friendship, we dare 
to be free. I wonder if this is what Nathaniel realizes in this moment, this connection with Jesus. Here I have not only found the king of Israel, but I've found the very friend of my soul. As I reflect on this like connection with Jesus, this deep intimacy, you know, I think of my own life. And I can think of moments when, when I felt like I have been known and seen by Jesus. You know, and they're, they're varied throughout the course of my life. And they take on different forms and shapes. And, and there are different places and moments in time. Whether it's uh, at Ligonier Camp and Conference Center. Or down in Chiapas, Mexico. Or under a star-filled sky in Yellowstone. Or in a time of prayer or a time of suffering. I have known moments where I feel like Jesus has said, I see you, I see you, and I know you. But there are also other times, times when I long to be seen, times when God feels distance, times when there's a sense of lack of being known or being seen. But always, throughout my life, I have felt drawn back to Jesus. That song that we sang for our offering time, the, uh, the, the, the Mumford and Sons, I don't even know if I believe, and then how we move into, but here I am to worship. I love that, that putting together of those two songs. It reflects Matthew 28 at the end when the disciples are with the risen Jesus, and it says they were with Jesus, but some doubted, and they worshiped. That there is no perfect moment with Jesus that then makes everything clear for eternity. That it's a journey with Christ. That a soul friendship is a journey that is ongoing. And there are times of deep faith and there are times of doubt and uncertainty. But there is always the underlying presence of Christ as the friend of my soul. There's just one last thing I want to say about this passage, and that's the very end of the passage. It's very interesting because I think after this moment with Nathaniel that Jesus has where Nathaniel's like, ah, ah, there's something here, my soul friend, that Jesus wants to say one more thing. He wants to point to the fact that this is great. I'm glad you feel that sense, but this is a journey. And, and here's what I want you to know. Jesus wants to take things even deeper. He says, I'm glad you believe because, you know, I saw you under the fig tree. But here, you will see even greater things than that. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And of course, this is to call to mind for us the story of Jacob and his dream in Genesis chapter 28, where there is a ladder set on earth reaching up towards heaven. And the angels are going up and down a ladder, ascending and descending. And that vision of Jacob signified communication between the things above and the things below. Or between the things that are seen and the things that are unseen. Only here, in these words of Jesus, do you hear what the ladder is replaced by? It's replaced by the Son of Man. That Jesus becomes the link between the two. 
The Jesus is the ladder between heaven and earth, between things seen and unseen. The heaven is now brought to earth. The Jesus is the revealer of the heavenly things. And to know this is to begin to see greater things. That Jesus says, yes, you started to get it, Nathaniel, but the fullness will take time. Yes, Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy, but he's also the revealer of the fullness of God. And Jesus is the means of making the unseen, the word, now seen in flesh. And that the heavens are opened. And the way that this is written means in the Greek that it's opened once and for all. It remains opened. It is not going to be closed. Opened in such a way as to never be closed again. Open to all of God's children. And so I think this right here is just an invitation from Jesus. An invitation to us all to see the greater things. To continue to meet with Jesus under the fig tree. To sit in our places, places of prayer and silence. Our places of solitude and meditation. Because the more we do that, the more we are tuned into these revelations of God that are all around us every day, the more we experience the fullness of the soul friendship that is ours in Christ. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we give you thanks for the day that is ours, and thank you for sending us Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is the one who reveals to us that which is unseen. We thank you that Jesus is the one who connects us to the divine in such a way that we are known and that we are seen. We thank you that Jesus is the Anam Kara, the sole friend of our hearts. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.